You're doing fine. Okay. I just need to get my levels up. All right. Now I think I got it. Okay. You're listening to the Music Manuet podcast for January 7th, 2018. Learn more at Hi, and welcome to another Music Manumit. I'm Tom, and on today's show, I will be talking to Samuel Corwin of the group Corwin Trails. We talk about how he's uh, been getting more into field recording and using the uh, samples that he creates himself to make other instruments electronically. So here is my interview with uh, Corwin Trails, starting right now. First of all, I wanted to double check. So I was looking at a lot of your stuff... I'm having a hard time finding any of them that are actually under Creative Commons. Are there tracks that you've released under Creative Commons? Yeah, so um, the reason I found out about Creative Commons was this label, Archaic Horizon. Okay. It's a, a net label. Um, they kind of specialize in ambient uh, electronica. Okay. And they reached out to me uh, to release one of one of my albums a long time ago. This was probably... 2005 i think all right and um i had heard nothing of creative commons at the time and um this label specialized in in releases only creative commons and i was really intrigued by the idea and um so that that was my first ep that that i released as a solo artist and um that for sure is Creative Commons, as well as the, the follow-up album I did with them, uh, 93. Uh, it's called 93 EP. And then I think I put on the Free Music Archive um, three albums of field recordings that I did uh, while traveling India. Okay. And I believe all of those are Creative Commons. I, I think, as far as I know, anything on Free Music Archive is Creative Commons. Is that right? Uh No. It's not actually. Um, they have mm. so their stuff is free to download, but they also have a um, what they call the FMA license, which say they have um, okay. an artist traveling through town or something, and they recorded live, and they're under contract or whatever. Um, they can only release it as a available on Free Music Archive sort of thing. So, so they actually have stuff that's like live recordings, but they're not they're not under creative commons so it's it it varies and it's because the free music archive is connected to uh wfmu right okay yeah wow okay well that's i'm glad you clarified that because i would prefer that my recordings are creative commons i Uh i um i really i love the philosophy behind it and uh especially coming from you know i initially as as maybe most musicians early in their career have this uh lofty notion of making it and uh, yeah <laughs> it's just it, it, there's uh the more i tried the the harder it became so I, uh, the thought of of um not having a copyright on it and just having it available to anyone was really appealing to me um especially because i do a lot of sampling okay in my in my work and you know obviously anyone who samples should should be okay with people uh sampling their own stuff or yeah. you know should be flexible on the license of of their own recordings well and that's a that's a funny thing i brought up on this show several times too is the fact that a lot of stuff that is say electronic or using samples 
and I've, I've seen it on the Free Music Archive and on SoundCloud. Even if they do release it under Creative Commons, they'll release it under um, non-derivative, which okay. I think is kind of strange. So non-derivative is the one where you can download it and share it and use it, but you can't, you can't derive it. You can't cut it up. You can't sample it. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it, so, so it's a song that's kind of made of samples, but sure. they're saying you can't use samples of this song, but you can, you, you know, you can distribute it and all that. So I always find that kind of ironic because I'll find that a lot. That's like the one, uh, the one license we won't play on the show is the non-derivative. Okay, and, I see. And we'll see, and we'll find stuff, and sometimes it'll be like, oh, there's this really cool, you know, like a, a techno act or a hip hop artist, and they'll be under non derivative, uh -huh. and we're like, oh, we can't talk to you because <laughs> we right, don't do that right. one. <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of interesting. So the uh, now, are you? So you mean to release all your stuff under this, or because uh, looking on Bandcamp, I've uh, I'm going through the albums and. Um, most of them I'm finding have the all right reserved. So all rights reserved. So are you just releasing select versions under creative commons or is there something else or is, did you just well, not do it on Bandcamp? or, you know, I'm just curious. Yeah, I think honestly it, it might've just been a mistake as far as uploading the albums because, um, uh, I, initially, I, I mean, I, the the goal in putting music out there is to have it available for mm -hmm. anyone at all times. Um, and I think I, I must have just, um, you know, um, clicked the wrong button when well, uploading it because, yeah. Yeah, I, it's it, not that uncommon. It's funny, yeah. Lots of people, like we've had other people on before who have, who have uh, I've asked them about that on Bandcamp and they're like, oh, I must just not have seen it. And they're like, I don't know why it's that. Because they just uploaded their stuff and didn't know if it was a choice or whatnot. So it was sure. Yeah. So that was, so anyway, I was just curious. So I was looking at your stuff and then I was like, wait a minute. So I thought I'd ask you about that. So, uh, good. Now we can get to the real, the real meat of the matter. So, uh, now, sure. uh, so as far as what you do, um, first of all, are you, are you currently doing, going in a different direction or are you, uh, uh, do you have a select genre you do? I guess explain the music for uh, that you do for people who have never heard of you before. Sure, um, it's I am one of those people who I don't really like the term, but um, that I do concept albums. I would say, okay, and it, it seems that each album is is completely distinct and different from um, the next. Uh, so, if I could sum it up in a couple terms, I, I would say it's kind of like a experimental collage sound collage all right um that uh incorporates real instrumentation like i do i do play a variety of instruments on all my recordings and uh but i'm also really interested in sampling like i said and pulling from various sources to kind of give give uh more context and and just color the the work in kind of odd unexpected ways uh, I was really influenced by the the kind of musique concrete uh, movement in France, and then when I first found out about that, it really just blew my mind as far as what was possible in the studio. And um, so, yeah, I, I got this. What I've been working on lately deals less with sampling other 
silence and creating my own sounds. Uh, so on this most recent work, I went out into the forest and recorded all sorts of sounds from the forest uh, with the idea of creating a percussion kit um, solely based out of sounds in the forest, like hitting a branch or hitting on snow. Um, there, it, there are hundreds of sounds that I sampled and processed into an electronic kit. Okay. Uh, and then for the, the instrumentation, I made like a, a MIDI kit of a guitar, an acoustic guitar that was prepared with tiny little springs. And so I recorded each individual note and then basically created a keyboard out of, out of that. It was a very laborious, uh, time consuming project, but, uh, I'm in the final stage of mixing that album and that should be released within the next couple months. All right. To say. Now I want to backtrack a little. So what can you explain what the, you said concrete? Yeah, so it, there was this. Uh, it was a movement in France, I think, in the 1950s and 60s, where um, these studio engineers. It was the first use of sampling ever done in the in the history of music. And what around they what did time is, did you say? When? I think the 1950s, okay. 60s, and it, it was um, mostly headed by this guy Pierre Schaeffer, who had this uh, kind of mad scientist type studio. And it was him and a couple interns, and and uh, they would painstakingly go through all sorts of recordings. Their apparently their library was just you know exhausted because everything was physical data at that point. Huh. Um, and what they did is they literally cut and spliced um, certain sounds that they liked and made this kind of collage work of all these various samples okay. of, pre- of, of previously recorded stuff, and it's. It's pretty out there, but um, as far as as like being groundbreaking, it was it was the first use of sampling ever done, and I heard that, and I just I didn't even know if things like that were possible with music, and it really opened the door as far as how I approached uh, composition. How did you first hear about that that stuff? I think just kind of by accident. I, I, I think it was through a friend who kind of briefly mentioned it, might have played a couple songs. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of went down a rabbit hole of uh, looking into it. It's it's pretty fascinating stuff. It's kind of, you know, there was a five or ten year period where it was really, uh, you know, it was kind of like it followed up on the John Cage type stuff. Yeah. Uh, the kind of early experimental composers. But these guys weren't liked because they were using previously recorded stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't composers per se. They were, they were kind of more so people viewed it as cheating because they were, you know, not producing their own music, but, but pulling from all these various sources. It's funny. Collage during that time period, collage was in so many different mediums. Like there was at the same time period, that was when um, like William Burroughs was doing his, collage exactly. with uh, a naked lunch where he would mm-hmm. cut up pieces of text and then put them in random order together. And then wow. uh, filmmakers were doing that with, uh, with some of the independent films where they would just juxtapose two things on top of each other and see what would come up. And there's, it, it's weird how that, I, I didn't know that there was a movement. I mean, it makes sense, but I didn't uh-huh. know there was that movement of uh, that in music around that time period. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I, huh. I highly recommend it. The guy Pierre Schaefer or his main protege Pierre Henri or Henry. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's funny you bring up the William Burroughs stuff. I'd never thought of his method of of doing the cut up with writing is almost like exactly the same as what they were doing with right audio because it was like the point of it was to kind of juxtapose different sounds you know to mm-hmm. kind of um and and it was quite random i mean there was there was composition to it there was intention but i mean if you listen to it, it it's it's pretty chaotic and actually hard to listen to <laughs> um but in terms of like yeah influencing um my approach it was it was like i never once i heard that i i never really went back to you know standard verse chorus bridge uh type music um i found it far more challenging far more interesting to just kind of like dive in and uh-huh. and um sampling sampling was a huge part of that so i think what kind of stuff were you doing before that before i was playing in bands actually it's funny i grew up in a small town in northern michigan and i was largely playing in classic rock cover bands okay <laughs> Um, I was a drummer originally and then just um, moved on to guitar and keyboards. And as soon as I got a keyboard, I got interested in electronic music. All right. And then once that happened, I kind of, I, I didn't really go back to playing in bands, although, although kind of. All right. Um, and when I did, it was, it was less the kind of cover, cover bands and more so kind of, uh, we we messed around with a lot of different genres. It was basically um, experimental rock, I guess you could say. Okay, you were you were like, yeah. I'm tired of doing this band that makes money. I want to do something that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, which that's is a, the way that it goes. Like, it I, is. Yeah, it's it's. We had a drummer quit in my band a long time ago because he was going to join one that did all covers and played weddings, and he made money and lived off of it. Yeah, but uh, you know, I'm like, well, you know, that's that's great. Uh, it's gonna crush your soul, but that's fine. Um, exactly. Yeah. The, I mean, the irony is the the most money I've ever played playing or made playing music was in high school by far. I mean, yeah. Um, I haven't. You know, we I did go on tour once um, with a band, and it was about three weeks long. And, you know, we had a couple flat tires and, uh, you know, all, all, when all was said and done, we didn't lose money. We didn't make money, but we didn't lose money, which we thought was actually uh, a success. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we had heard uh, horror stories of other bands going on tour and just, you know, being a money pit kind of situation. Yeah. And um, yeah. so now getting back to the music that you are releasing um so what's this uh you're posting a preview of a new album that's coming up so are you working on something right now currently yeah yep so i'm i've been working out for about three years now and uh i'm in the just final touch-ups of the mixes and it'll be a full-length album um about 50 minutes long and it's it's all I guess I call it acoustic because it was the first album where every sound, every single sound was recorded um, by myself with just like a, I have one of those Tascam dual condensers. Oh, okay. Like the, like the Zoom, basically. Yeah, and, I'm uh, actually recording through one right now. Our, our interview is being recorded oh, nice. through Tascam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love those things. They're <laughs> great. 
I, um, yeah, so I really wanted, I was like adamant with this album that I was going to do only my own sampling and, uh, and processing of sounds because I think it had limited me in the past when I, you know, I would just go record shopping or, uh, I, I would try to find interesting sources, but it was, you know, I still, I, I wanted to do something that was just my own, you know? And so, yeah, this album was really exhaustive process of, uh, going out and first gathering the sounds. Um, mm-hmm. like I said, making the percussion kit out of forest sounds or creating the, the new instruments with the, the springs on it. It was a really exhaustive process, but totally rewarding in the end. Um, Wait, new instrument with the springs on it? Did you mention that before? Because I'm not recognizing you. I'm not remembering you mentioning that. Briefly, yeah. So it's all acoustic. And I I was at the hardware store one day. And I was kind of just bored of the fact that they were just all, you know, acoustic. It was sounding far too much just like a regular folk album. And I I wanted, I I had heard about... um, people putting objects on piano strings and I wanted to try that with a guitar. So I was going through the hardware store and I, I found these little tiny little springs that are, you know, hardly bigger than a fingernail or something. Okay. And they're really, really wound tight and, and you're able to, to kind of slip them into the, the strings of a guitar or right. a harp or any, any string instrument you're using. And it, it drastically changes the the tone tonality of the note. Um, basically, gives it all these sorts of bizarre microtones. Like it to me, it sounded like that Indonesian instruments that got the gamelan. It's okay. a really it's yeah. a, it's a it's a weird instrument because like it has tonality. Like you you'll hear a note and you're like, oh, that's that's probably an F, but there's like overtones of like a you know another note and it had had that um going on with it and i i was obsessed with it but it was really painstaking to play because i would have to uh, move the location of the spring uh-huh. on, on the string to change it and so what i did is i i just decided to spend a couple days of doing this i recorded uh, over 100 200 notes individually Jesus. I would just like, yeah, I would record one note. And then I basically took all of those samples and then, and then pulled them into my program so I could play it on a keyboard, which then made it super easy for me to compose music. You what know, program are you I, using? Uh, I'm using Logic. I've been right. an Apple guy since the start, since GarageBand okay. uh, a long time ago. And I'm, I'm just so locked into that program that I, I don't think... I, I've seen other programs. I love Pro Tools. I, I wish I could kind of graduate from Apple, but I'm just, you know, once you know one, it's really, it's tough to get out. You well, know? and Pro Tools only recently became uh, cross-platform, if I'm mm. not mistaken. So I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So so you're not, yeah. you're not that far off. I mean, it wasn't that yeah. illogical to, you know, yeah. just <laughs> run programs on, or the recording programs on an Apple exactly so you're using those because of or uh you're using it as like a midi library setup uh connected to your keyboard yeah basically so my thinking was to process all these sounds right the i had the the percussion sounds from the forest and then i also have a couple 
uh, I have a keyboard that I use for the the notes, and then I have a couple drum pads. All right, I was going to ask you how you were doing that with the drums too. All right. Yeah. So most of it was actually tracked live. I I oh, wanted wow. to to really try and do that too. That was a big part of this. Is I wanted to. I do plan to do it live. I'm going to need help from a couple people, but okay. Um, that that's the thinking is I have all these patches basically that I created in Logic that I could you know uh, I've assigned my drum pad to have this pad be a you know a, a tree stump and this pad be like a a rock hitting ice or well if you're doing that so you're going to be playing the drums live you're saying. Yep. So yeah. then, with how the samples. are you with the samples? So the samples are going to be the things that's triggered instead of like what most people do is they just have a drum loop that plays, and then yes. they play the music on top of it. You're going to do it the opposite way. You're saying? Yeah, I I have a me and a couple friends. We we really tried to create this rule of never using backing tracks. Okay. Um, because I've I've done it before, and whenever something goes wrong live with backing tracks it's yes. kind of a nightmare <laughs> yeah i i've watched other bands do it and it's painful to watch and i i uh you know it, it's the 21st century i i'm not against it but i just think there's a lot of risk in doing that and if you can play everything live then then you should i think but uh well yeah it's gonna take a lot of work to to get this stuff ready for live because um, I'd, I'd yeah, like to I, know how you're going to do that or uh, how that <laughs> comes across, especially are you, so you are planning on having more than just you doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a, a friend I've been playing with for a long time who likely will handle most of the percussion and I'll be doing the keys, which would be like the spring, okay. um, spring instruments basically. All right. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because um, I've seen some stuff recently where it's just basically, and this is where you luck out is because your stuff is mainly instrumental. So yeah, you don't have to work vocals into it too. Whereas what I've seen is people will actually just come up, push play, the entire yeah. song plays, and then they just sing over it. And at what point right. is that like, well, why did you even bother? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? that it's pretty common now, I think. Yeah, it is. I remember... Yeah, we toured and we played with a couple DJs who their set literally consisted of going on stage and pushing a space bar. Yeah. And walking off stage and, you know, I and they get paid for that. Right. <laughs> a lot of money sometimes. Well, I mean, so, it's the same as uh, just the same when you go see a DJ and everybody loves it. And it's like, yeah. so you're getting paid tons of money because you just have an expansive library of music. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's, which yeah. I mean, more power to you. If right. I, I, I'd love to do that. If people want to pay me to do it, I'll do it. When it, anyone listening, I'll do that yeah. for you. If <laughs> right. you want to pay me for it, um, yeah. but uh, but yeah, it's it's just kind of interesting. I've seen that, especially with uh, uh, it's very common in hip hop now. Which I I yeah. find that I find that kind of saddening because I used to love the the um, it, it, at least if they had the the DJ, they would you know do stuff live or at least around here. I guess I shouldn't speak for everybody around here. Yeah. It's been people turning on a laptop yeah. or pushing play on a laptop. And at that point I'm going, well, why did you bring the laptop? You know, just use your phone. If you're just playing a track, I don't understand why the laptop yeah. is there. Um, anyway, that's it's either way. I can't do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so now you're, uh, 
have you always gone by uh, Corwin Trails or are you now going by? Yeah. So what's the what's what's the official name? I guess is what uh, I'm asking. It, it, for. It's Corwin Trails, and it um, so Corwin is my middle name. Oh, it gets and, even it gets even stranger. <laughs> okay. Uh, and which you know, it's an old family name. It was my mother's father's name. And I always just liked it. I thought it was a curious name. Okay. I I never really heard it before, and I and trails just because I'm I'm heavily influenced by nature and by hiking. All right. I would say it, a lot of my music draws inspiration from those kind of experiences. I would say, especially it's definitely this this new stuff, for sure. Okay. And I thought I thought about just switching over to my name, just Sam. Vandiver because uh, it seems to be the direction of a lot of solo artists is to just just be your name but yeah. I guess because I've I've had called my music um, Corwin Trails for so long I, I just decided to stick with it mm-hmm. for the most part yeah I always that's something I've always found strange uh, the just using your name thing now if you're a solo artist yes makes sense you can do that yeah. if you're now the one that always surprises me is people that are the you know person's name band yeah, that yeah. one is just like hey everybody else Seems a bit arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well especially if you're um not necessarily a more popular musician because then you're all clearly in the same uh tax bracket you're not no one's yeah. no one's really making more than the other or working any harder um, right. Yeah. So, but that one's that one's always been weird to me. That's it, it, and also, how do you bring that up as the topic of conversation? Hey guys, yeah, I had a great true. idea for a band name. <laughs> me. Yeah, it seems a little bit like what a tyrant would do or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done. There are a couple acts around yeah. here that have been doing it for years. But it's just interesting. But yeah. I've just and then I always think it's just kind of interesting to think of a name that describes what you're doing or just one that has a neat story rather than just like. So yeah. the band's called your name, huh? Well, I guess we know that story. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, yeah it's really difficult. Like, I, I, I remember I put a lot of time and thought into it. And I, I I, always put a lot of time and thought into song titles and album okay. titles. because Along me, with sampling and getting the samples. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you, you must just sit around all yeah. day and work on one thing. <laughs> yeah, it's too too much time, really. But it's like... It's a, you know, it's a work of love. So, you know, the creative, I mean, the fact that I don't make money with my music, I think makes it more special, you know, because like there's no motivation in that sense. Like, you know, I, I, um, I'm doing it because I'm curious and because I want to learn something or because, you know, I just love what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, like, uh, the, the words to it, like, I think there's, I don't know why I ascribe so much importance to song titles or album titles, but hmm. album titles, especially like to be able to sum up your collection of songs with one idea and, and then artwork as well. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so much more that goes into making an album that, that, that I kind of love. I, I think that's half of the fun of the process, you know, is kind of like getting the bigger picture of what you're working on. And then how to visually represent it, and then with text and stuff too. So, do you do the artwork for the album yourself? Actually, no. Uh, most of that has been done um, by an old friend of mine. Uh, she's a painter, and oh, okay. she's done pretty much all of them. 
except for the field recordings. The field recordings I released, um, those were just photos that I had taken in India. I, I was going to say some of them are, are photos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, it, well, and I wasn't sure either because the, I mean, clearly if you have paintings, you have to take a photo of the painting. So I didn't know if you right. saw these paintings and you took a photo of them or how that came about. So I was curious. The paintings, um, she actually did them, and then we got really high-quality photos. Or one time, she scanned the whole painting itself. Um, but, uh, yeah, the paintings were usually very large, and so it was pretty easy to get a high-quality photo of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the India stuff was all just photos and not the highest resolution. I think I just had my phone for those. It's all right. <laughs> but, it's, it's, yeah. I've, people use Instagram photos for album covers these days. I, I know, mean, it's yeah. just, they're not being printed on giant vinyl things as much as you think anymore. It's so you, true. You know, yeah. So the rules have changed. Most of the time it's a square this big and maybe you can enlarge it this big. That's, that's about the right. quality of a photo that you need for albums these days. It's true. Yeah. I like yeah, that. I yeah. just did a visual representation representation <laughs> and this is an audio podcast. So that's right. great. Everybody I was doing, you can imagine what I was doing. Never mind. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the now, now it made me forget what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to ask, um, uh, how do you promote yourself at all? So you said you're not doing it to make money, but I mean, do you put yourself out there? How do you get the word out? Um, it's a good question. I try. I, I think um, reaching out to Free Music Archive was was kind of a big, like way bigger um, success than I would have thought. Um, I've been contacted numerous times by random people who found my stuff through Free Music Archive who either just wanted to tell me they liked it or that they wanted to use it for a, a video. Frequently people did that for the, the field recordings from India. Often it was someone who was making some kind of documentary um, over in India and wanted to use some, some source sound. Huh. And so that, that was big. And then, um, you know, I, all the major, I, I do like SoundCloud, as far as, um, like, it seems to be the best format that combines music with some kind of, like, social media, whereas people can comment. Um, I It's kind of gone a little They've bit They've kind downhill. of gutted it, though. I mean, it used to be. Yeah. Now it's, like, the only it, one right. comparatively. Like, now it's basically Facebook if it were for songs. Yeah, or, and not even, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually yeah. it used to be like that because of the groups, the groups were the thing that were the big thing. Although they did have a tendency to get hugely spammed, you know, it was just everybody yes. posting their crap in every group they could find. But yeah, but the group thing really did help. Like, yeah, I, that was I, when I, it was more big... discussion. Like I don't, I feel like yeah. I don't see the, the actual comments that, which I was impressed with when they first released it. I was just like, holy crap, you can see the rolling comments as you're listening yeah. to the song. That was cool. I feel like I don't see that as much anymore. You know, like you'll yeah. see one or two occasionally, like even popular songs I've seen released on there, um, like mm -hmm. by big name artists, depending on who it is. It's not the barrage of comments going across like it used to be like, I'll see gaps no. now. And it's like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. This people aren't commenting on them anymore. No, it's true. I, I mean, it was predicted even recently that SoundCloud was just going to just, just fall off face of the earth. I can't remember who said that. Um, well, they were but, going, they were going under and then they finally got some last minute, uh, 
that's VC right. funding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's really, it's difficult, you know? I mean, I, I remember the days of MySpace and I, I'm kind of nostalgic for that because yeah. I, I really liked MySpace as a musician. I thought it was great. Have you visited um, it lately? MySpace? Have you visited MySpace lately? I haven't, no. Okay. It's actually, I, I went there the other day because I know we still had an account there and I couldn't even begin to tell you how to even access it. It's... It's it's a very strange site now. Uh, it really. looks really cool, but it's unusable. Uh, it's it's basically like uh, a man. news site now. I don't know. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I I guess yeah. That that that's a new question, I, or a new uh, thing to figure out for musicians is is um, where where is the best place to promote your music? I mean, I think in the real world is the best you know you can't beat oh, yeah. that you can't beat just playing shows and networking with people in your community and i don't do that enough i i'm guilty of of being just the studio musician who uses the internet and and it's often disappointing you yeah. know i will say it's difficult um but yeah <laughs> yeah it's no and uh my band did that too. We basically wanted to see what it would be like to promote ourselves on the internet and not play live uh -huh. shows for a couple of years. And we did that. Um, yeah. And I mean, it was all right. It's, it's, it can mm -hmm. be done, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, times change. You have to keep up to it. And also you just have to stay active. I mean, that's the, that's the hard part. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. That too. And, and sometimes you have to enlist the help of professionals. I mean, some people, really to having an agent or yeah you know having help with distribution having a label you know right um i guess i i haven't really had that luxury <laughs> no most people haven't and then when they ask you when you're supposed to pay for it that's where the surprise comes in it's like i'm supposed to pay you to do right. this thing i could be doing myself and it's like yeah well do it yourself then i don't know it's a yeah it's slippery yeah, right. slope i guess i think they call yeah. it um and uh yep. I, so I wanted to ask you also, are there any other projects or um, other things you're working on that you'd like to tell us about that maybe we didn't cover here today or that we didn't uh, know about? Well, what? Sure. Yeah. One other band I was in, uh, we were called Inkblot. Um, that was mostly just me and a friend. Um, we were the, the, the main people behind it. We had other musicians play with us, but we've kind of been on and off throughout the years. Oh. And we re recorded a number of albums, three albums. And I recently, I don't know if it's a New Year's resolution or what, but we're going to get together and, and, uh, and record another album. And I think play shows that, that was who I toured with. Um, and we had a lot of fun touring and, and always really enjoyed playing together. And I, I miss that aspect of, of music. And I think he does too, you know, just, I, I think we're, we're both solo artists as well. And that can just become isolating after a while, especially after this exhaustive three year project. <laughs> I really, I'm excited to start going out and playing more. What, what solo stuff does he do? Um, <clears throat> he does similar, similar style stuff like, um, uh, electronica. He's more dance oriented. He's actually a DJ now uh, oh. in his spare time. Um, but like his own stuff is, um, uh, I would put it in the category of IDM music, like the Aphex Twin or 
Boards of Canada. They're kind of huge influences to both of us. Oh, really? Anything on Warp Records is is kind of <laughs> nice. Um, who who we look up to as far as um, music production. Huh? You don't hear that a lot. I don't. I don't hear people tell me that anything on Warp Records is is. is oh, really? Well, yeah. No. It. I, you would. I don't. I mean, enough that I know what it is. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they're um, great. I I can't speak highly enough. Yeah. Them. Well, it, and it, it, actually, recently, and I found this surprising. I, I talked to some people about. Uh, I I used to be really huge into wax tracks out of Chicago, and I've actually had a couple of artists on okay. recently where it's like they totally know what I was talking about, and I was like, oh, kick ass, because nobody ever knew what the hell that was when I was growing up. Um, so uh-huh, it was a very right. specific, like industrial hadn't really hit yet or sampling. Anyway, uh-huh. I don't mean to go off on a tangent about wax tracks. Um, so <laughs> it sounds familiar. Though. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, like ministry was on it originally and, oh, okay. um, like skinny puppy and front two four two and all, all those type nice. of bands. So they, they were huge nice. in Chicago and it was based out of a record store. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So anyway, we were going to close the show today with the song Two Men yeah. Playing Along the Gon- – is it Ganja or Ganga? I want to say Ganga. River. So uh, <laughs> they, they, they pronounce it Ganga. Okay. Right? It, um, it's the Gan- – we know it as the Ganges. Okay. River, See, that's why I was going right? to say it. I'm like, would it be Gange or <sighs> Ganga? Yeah, one, it's one and the same, and, but they pronounce it Ganga, so I, I was I was uh, being true to their pronunciation. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and it, I mean, it's I'm reading it, so I was being untrue to it because I'm a moron, but uh, <laughs> so you want to tell us a little bit <laughs> no, about I, this I song <laughs> uh, before um, we play it? Yeah, that one... That one was a nice surprise. It was a that was one of my field recordings when I was traveling India, and and it was there were so many moments like this where I was just walking down the street and kind of out of the corner of my ear I, I heard I heard music and I followed it, which is kind of what I did um, uh, for better or worse. Sometimes I was trespassing, but okay. this time they were very inviting, and they they welcomed me down. And it was it was two guys. One was playing like a talking drum. And then the other was playing some kind of reed instrument, similar to the snake cash, which is famous for where the Beatles went um, when they when they did their big India trip. And uh, amazing city, very very musical city, and uh, it's a part of the river that was actually very clean and beautiful, which is rare. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then uh, this is on, what album is this on? Uh, This is on, I think I called it um, Selected Field Recordings from India and Nepal. And this was uh, the volume uh, called Folk Songs. And these, I called them Folk Songs because they were all mostly just people, yeah, volume one, singing to me. All right. All right. I just I didn't have the album open. I only had the note of what song I was playing, so I wanted to make sure that everybody knew what album sure. it was on. It'll be linked in the show notes anyway, so I suppose it's not that important. Oh, cool. Anyway, so um, I want right. to thank you very much for uh, for talking with me today. It was great meeting you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom. You too. Yeah, for sure. All right, and this has been another Music Manumet podcast at musicmanumet.com. <laughs> Thank you.
Boom, chunks.